This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Dennis Shapovalov, the young Canadian, off to the third round of the U.S. Open. He has just won his second round match over Andreas Seppi in five sets. Shapovalov was down two sets to one, came through 7-6-6-4 in the uh, final two sets. A three-hour, 47-minute victory for Shapovalov. Also earlier today, Milos Raonic advanced in straight sets. Another Canadian, Vasek Pospisil, on the court uh, tonight, but he's going to be in very tough, taking on Rafael Nadal. Aaron Rodgers, quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, contract extension, uh, decent money, decent money, four years, $134 million. He'll make due on that, I think, somehow. You can text 630-630, the phone number 780-496-0063. Talking about some uh, Oilers projections for the upcoming season. This texter says, who knows what will happen. I think if the Oilers' power play and penalty kill is in the top half of the NHL, they cruise into the playoffs. I think Vegas got lucky last year and they fall way down without the luck. That is a text coming in to 630-630. My name is Reed Wilkins. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. I'm pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports the punter for the Calgary Stampeders. It is Rob Maver. Rob, so you got the short straw doing Edmonton radio, eh? No, I got a lot of respect for you guys. Of course, I'd come and do the show. <laughs> oh, I know, no, you're great to talk to. Uh, always fun to pump up the rivalry a little bit. Thanks for checking in tonight. What do you think of that Rogers contract? And when will a punter finally get paid like that? Well, I think hell will freeze over and pigs will fly before you see a punter getting paid that. All unless just inflation accelerates to a rate where God knows what. But yeah, what did he get? 160 million or something crazy like that? Yeah, well, and he's guaranteed 80 million by March with the uh, with the bonuses and the signing bonuses and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, he'll be he'll be fine. Good for him. I mean, hey, he's the best player in football, right? So he is he's deserving. Well, he's been incredible. I mean, injured. Uh, it was last year he was injured, right? Yeah, and you saw what happened to the Packers without him. So uh, they're they're definitely yeah. uh, definitely. Uh, making sure they got them locked up for as long as they can. Thanks for checking in tonight. Uh, Rob, look, I, I'm going to start here with, with with a very blunt question, and, and, I, and I know an Edmonton media guy asking a Calgary player this might seem a little bit like trolling, but I, but I don't mean it that way because it is, mm-hmm. it is part of the story of the Stampeders for the last two years. You guys oh, had excellent God. regular seasons. You, you, you yeah. lose the one big game. Like, does that still hang over the team and affect the motivation or or the, or the morale? Or how would you characterize that? Yes and no, because as you know, there's significant turnover on a CFL roster every single year. But to say that those two disappointing losses are completely lost on the returning players, that wouldn't be true. 
obviously, it's like any team, you know, they want to get to that place, but we feel that we have been, you know, we lost to an 8 9 in one team and we lost to a 9 9 football team. And, you know, we felt like we were in positions to win both of those games and that didn't happen. So, I mean, for me personally, but I realize that my contributions to the team are extremely limited. I mean, it's not like if I punt harder, we're going to win better. We're going to win more football games. So, but it is a factor, absolutely. All right. Well, and I, and I mean, look, you, you guys continue to roll along. And, uh, I mean, we discuss a lot about, you know, what John Huffnagel has done there. And I know, and I know he's still, uh, you know, overseeing a lot of things. And Dave Dickinson's the coach. And uh, you guys just keep going seven and one this season. You had you had the tough game, obviously against uh, Saskatchewan. You bounced right back and uh, and took it to Winnipeg, especially in the second half last week. Uh, I, I mean, tell me about that that organizational excellence. And I mean, did, did that start with Huff Nagel about a decade ago when when he took over? I knew you've you've been there most of that time. Where does that come from, and how does it keep rolling? It all starts at the top, right? It's just the the organizational structure that Huff has employed with the staff and how they delegate the roles and the culture that he's established too. It's, you know, when the going gets tough, everybody wants to be the person who's going to make that play to get us winning. No, we never feel like we're going to lose a game or we never feel like we're completely out of a game. Even in staff, you know, we, we had a punt block for six and, you know, we gave up a touchdown on offense and nobody was down on the sidelines. You would have no idea that either of those two plays happened as soon as we address what happened on the field. It's, but, yeah, I know it starts with us, and the coaching staff is really good, too. They're excellent at developing coaches. They're all very smart people with really high football IQs, and they're excellent, they're excellent communicators and teachers. So I think that, and with the kind of players that they bring in, it's just a, it's a good combination. Well, you know, I, I watched that uh, that game where, you, where Saskatchewan beat you guys, and I actually missed uh, missed the first half because I had some stuff going on. And then, I mean, you guys made a real, a real game of it. So you're right, you're you're never out of it. Uh, you, you mentioned the block punt. I'm, I'm curious about that. I mean, they they don't happen a lot. Uh, when they do happen, they they can be pretty big swings in a game. When that happens and and whatever broke down has to be addressed, does that start with you as the punter or does that start with the special teams coach? It starts with the special teams coach. Uh, unless, you know, unless I drop the ball or unless I have a really, really, really slow handling time, odds are it's not my fault. Um, but they have the sky cams now. I think these have been in place now for this is the third season where we're able to just get the film within 10 to 12 seconds after the play. So by the time you come on the sideline, the coaches already have the iPads and they're talking to the players. They're able to quickly identify who they need to speak with. And then from there, they start correcting on the sideline immediately. And it's, it's pretty quick. What's, uh, what is your handling time? How long from the snap to you booting it is, is ideal for you to get the punt off? Uh, two seconds total, okay. I would say. Yeah, it's from the snap, you know, so when the snapper lets go of the ball to when I my foot's making contact with the ball, that should be around two seconds. All right. Uh, and, I, and, I mean, I assume you talk with your snapper. I mean, is it is it right detailed to how high you want the ball? I mean, obviously you don't want to jump for it. Like, are you saying anywhere in my chest, or do you want it, like, navel high every time, or how detailed do you want that snap? I mean, I just tell them, you know, knees to nipples. Okay. <laughs> kind of the, uh, kind of the grading chart, right, for a good snap. And, you know, the, the snappers in the CFL right now have a really tough job because you look at the new rules that they put in in 2015, 
they can't leave the line of scrimmage until the ball's been kicked. The two uh, guards, tackles, and the snapper. So that basically forces your long snapper to block. To block. So they got to snap a good ball in less than a second, and then they got to pop up and block and then cover. So not every ball is going to be perfect, but the two guys playing on Monday do a great job of it. Okay. Rob Maver joining us on Inside Sports. Punter for the uh, Calgary Stampeders. All right, so we'll shift focus to Labor Day. It's been uh, it's been good to you personally. I believe you're seven and one on Labor Day. The Stampeders have won the last six. Uh, you guys have a chance to tie the all-time season series. I, I know oh, you probably wow. don't care what happened in the '50s, '60s, and '70s, but it's 29-28 for the Eskimos with one tie. So I, I guess it sounds like you didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that, but that doesn't surprise me. And obviously, both of these franchises have long traditions of winning so that's pretty cool though and that's just you know when you say that that just gives the game on monday all that much more meaning and purpose yeah so that, that's pretty cool uh i i had chris morris on the show in the last half hour you know coaches the golden bears he he played in 14 of these games okay. and he said there's there's nothing else like it you can't compare it to any other any other regular season game or even any other playoff game though you know there can be more on the line in the playoffs Labor Day for you, getting ready for it, running out onto the field, those opening moments. What's it been like for you, Rob? I mean, they're memorable. Certain, you know, I've played in a hundred and, you know, let's call it 130 games, give or take. And I remember a lot of them, but you always remember the Labor Day games just because, you know, the start, you know, Labor Day is kind of the, the start of the second half of the season. It's usually when we play the Eskimos for the first time, the first battle of Alberta. So, you know, it means a lot, and you get pretty excited. Plus, you know, the flyovers that they always do, those are super cool, too. And you know that it's always going to be a good game just because, you know, crazy things happen on Labor Day. I've, you know, I remember Ricky Ray was throwing the Fred Stamps uh, my rookie year in that game. And then, you know, now it's Mike Riley, and, and it used to be him near Gary Spolman, and now it's, you know, Darrell Walker and Duke and those guys. And it's, there's always a lot of memories made on Labor Day. Uh, I quickly went to your CFL page. Uh, you've played 136 games, so there you go. <laughs> just, I just, just thought I would get get the exact number. Uh, uh, were you hurt in 2011? 2011, yeah, I was hurt. You Okay, yeah, because I was like, why is there only one game there? But you jumped right in out of the 2010 draft and uh, and played as a rookie, didn't you? I did, yeah. Um, yeah, I was actually a place kicker back then and played in all 18 games as a rookie. Well, when, and I actually, funny story about, you know, so we're talking about Labor Day. Uh, my rookie year and over the two Labor Day games, I believe I went two for seven. Oh, geez, yeah, that actually stuck. Well, I didn't, I wasn't asking for that reason, but so that those yeah. they, those memories stick with you. That, yeah, that's, no, those were the not good ones. That's, <laughs> I mean, it's all a part of it, right? I, I say this all the time, Rob. It, it's amazing. Uh, I'm getting a little off topic here, but it's it's amazing for high-level athletes how the the negative experiences are often more vivid memories than the positive ones. They're learning experiences, and a lot of guys find motivation from them. A lot of people on, you know, how what not to do, but, you know, motivation to push them to do different things. All right. Um, when you look at this matchup, I mean, I don't, I don't think I, I'm saying anything jinx-worthy here that, that the Stampeders are going to be favored going into Monday. Uh, but when you look at when you look at the Eskimos, uh, you know, what are some things where you say, okay, that's they got some teeth there. We got to watch for that. 
great quarterback in Riley. Everybody knows that. Everybody respects him. He's just an incredible player. Uh, he's thrown to some really, really big receivers. <laughs> you know, it's you know they're going to take their shots. You know, on offense, they're going to have a bunch of big plays every single game. It's just a matter of when, it seems. Um, yeah, they show up big on film. What about their punter, Hugh O'Neill? No, he doesn't have that big beard anymore, so... I know. I mean, he lost his beard, so I don't know what I can say about him. Hugh's just been steady, you know? I mean, throughout his whole career, he's a guy that I look at, and we've been in the league for a similar amount of time, and he's just been tremendously steady, you know, at what he does, and I think that he gets he's underappreciated for, you know, how consistent he is. I've been, I thought he's had a really good year with, with some of the directional punting as as well, too, because I, I imagine you, you can tell me, but I don't know if you go and sit, go home and fret over whether your average is 44.2 or 44.8. You're probably looking at your placement and the opportunity you give your coverage. Would that be true? That's absolutely true. And truth be told, the game has changed. And it's, you know, I mean, you look at the guys that have the highest nets right now, they're the guys that kick the ball the furthest. But that also gives the returning team an opportunity to have more space to work with. And it's just a matter of, well, who is going to take advantage of this? Because the athletes in this league playing returner are too good to not make you pay for it eventually. So it's just a matter of, you know, it's truly one stick at a time, just, you know, getting back in them up and just, you know, playing what needs to be done that day. Because punting is kind of unique in that sense that, you know, you do it from so many different parts of the field. So a 30-yard net can be a good play versus a 45-yard net. It just it all depends. So that's why looking at the numbers, it's not really all that telling sometimes. All right. Rob, you've been very generous with your time. i got two more for you. Uh, I, think you'll, I think you'll like this one. What's the number one misconception fans have about punters? That we're weird or that we're not athletes? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, you think about it. You know, a football locker room is, you know, a zoo. Just a lot of misfits of different people. And, you know, if you remove, if you put those people in, you know, just everyday society, I would say the kickers and punters are probably those who would integrate the most seamlessly. Okay. Well, that leads into my next question because I I was reading a little bit about this and I thought, well, I don't want to know too much because I I want Rob to explain it in his own words. Are are you involved in some kind of a a car dealership here as, as sort of a maybe prepare, and I know you're not there yet, but preparing for life after football, or what's going on with this dealership? Yeah, so I'm with a startup company called Listado, and the concept is that we are a virtual car dealership, just like you said. So the layman's way of putting it is that we are Amazon for cars. So we have a lot less overhead. Uh, Customers don't absorb those costs when they purchase a vehicle through us, and we deliver right to your door or your place of work or wherever you would like the car delivered or and uh, delivered. Uh, another cool wrinkle to what we do is that we refinance subprime vehicle loans so that you know more people can qualify for the mortgages and stuff like that. So those are the two arms to what we do, and, and it's pretty fun to be learning the business world for sure. Okay, well that's uh, that's cool. Well, Rob, you're you're always intelligent to talk to. You're always fun to talk to, and we do appreciate you. We do appreciate you coming on as you get ready for the game on Monday. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sports. Anytime. Enjoy the game Monday. That is Rob Maver checking in the punter for the Calgary Stampeders. They will host the Edmonton Eskimos on Monday, the Labor Day Classic. And, of course, we have it for you on 6.30, Chet, 11.30 for the countdown to kickoff, and the game will start at 1. And, yes, uh, the Stampeders will be favored, 
and they should be. But as Maver pointed out, the Eskimos have... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Some pretty dangerous players that they're worried about. We're going to take a quick timeout now. 7-5, Baltimore leading the Blue Jays after 6. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. I don't worry about the rest of the season. I'm worried more about this first game. Um, you know, obviously it's the same opponent for two straight, and uh, we got to take care of business Monday. So, you know, our guys are rested, focused. I think we've gone through a lot of battles in 10 games to learn a lot of lessons and feel like we're right where we need to be in order to go into this one, uh, play, play a good game. It's a meaningful game. That's all. I'm not talking about stretch. Okay. I'll talk about game to game. Okay. This is a meaningful game for us. We know it. Uh, you know, it's it's as big a game as there is all year. Every 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 year, you could look at Labor Day and say it's going to be a big game. You could throw out the records. It's a big game. But right now, it's one and two going against each other, and we have a lot to look forward to. So, you know, um, like I said, we've rested. We've learned a lot of lessons, and we're ready to. We'll be, we will be ready to play Monday. A little bit from Jason Moss looking ahead to the Labor Day Classic on Monday. Uh, we have that one for you. We have the rematch next Saturday the 8th. I mentioned we will have the Oilers rookies against the Flames rookies on Sunday, September 9th. So that will be our first hockey play-by-play broadcast of the season. I had a text coming in. What time is that? I think I forgot to mention that. Uh, we're looking at signing on with a pregame show at 1.30 and the game will be on Two o'clock on a two o'clock. That's Sunday, September 9th. Oilers rookies against the Flames rookies on the 11th. We'll have the Oilers rookies against the McEwen Nate All Stars. That uh, game once again happening at Rogers Place. And then Wednesday, February 12th. February. Wow, I'm getting ahead of myself. Wednesday, September 12th. Wednesday, September 12th, we will have the Oilers rookies and the Flames rookies from Red Deer. Then we'll roll into main camp and we'll have an Oilers preseason game for you from Calgary on September 17th. So going to be very, very busy here with both teams on the go and hopefully the Eskimos uh, going all the way to the Grey Cup, which will be on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium in late November. You can text 630-630, phone number 780-496-0063. This texter says if uh, Connor McDavid, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Leon Dreisaitl have decent years. The Oilers will be okay, but if one of them falls off, the Oilers will be in trouble. Not much up front beyond these three. That is a text coming in from Don. Well, that's a fair comment. I I think they have some guys who, uh, those three guys specifically, who are going to produce points. I I would expect Ryan Nugent Hopkins to start the year on McDavid's line. And uh, then we see who fills the gaps up front. Can Ty Ratty produce? Will Kyler Yamamoto possibly step up? Can Yessi Puliyarvi blossom as a winger? Will Milan Lucic bounce back from an abysmal final half of last season? You know, can there be, uh, assuming, assuming that Nugent Hopkins is with McDavid and Ratty, will there be some competent guys on Dreisaitl's flanks that might fire him up a little bit? And you got to remember, despite having a, a 
quote-unquote off year, uh, Leon Dreisaitl still had 70 points last season, and that's with a power play that was borderline incompetent for much of the season. What's Ryan Strom going to do? What's Jujar Kara going to do? I, there, there's a lot of positivity surrounding Kara. And, uh, you know, he showed the ability to snipe the odd goal, play physical, jumped in there and fought when he needed to a few times last season. So he really uh, solidified his spot on the roster. And then can the depth guys contribute? Is Kyle Brodziak going to be, uh, you know, a good fourth-line center? Will Scotty Upshaw make the team and be a depth winger? Will they help kill penalties? Those are all the questions for the Oilers going into the season, I, you know. We'll we'll break those down further as we go through the the preseason schedule and and into the regular season. But those are those are some of the what ifs up front. And yeah, for sure, I I, I gotta say, I agree with Don. I I think those three guys will produce points, especially if two of them are on the same line. You're gonna need two, three other guys to step up and be steady producers for them to get back into the playoffs. Uh, Fort Sass Billy saying uh, no Penticton rookie tournament this year. That is correct. Uh, well, there is one. The Oilers and Flames aren't in it. The Canucks and Jets are going to play a couple of times, and the U of A Golden Bears are going to Penticton to play a couple games against UBC, but the Oilers not part of it this season. We'll, we'll do something a little different. We'll do something a little different when we get back. For breaking news and expert opinion, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, good to have you along for the ride tonight. Baltimore leading Toronto 7-5, bottom of the seventh in Baltimore. John texting 630-630. He says, Reed, I hate to say it, but Calgary's going to steamroll the Eskimos on Monday. Time to hold my nose and load up on Stampeders in fantasy this week. Well, John, I... Always wish people the best in those types of endeavors. I, I may engage in that myself sometimes. Hey, do you recognize this voice? In front of me, that's just one player. The rest of the stuff here is for everybody, and there's all sorts of different uh, pieces. A little bit off YouTube. If you recognize that voice, you're, you're probably like me, and uh, you, you have uh, enjoyed watching this gentleman's reviews and commentaries on board games and we are going to delve into that world and have a little bit of fun on inside sports tonight my name is reed wilkins i'm pleased to welcome tom vassal to the show tom how are you doing man i'm doing fantastic thank you yeah thanks for checking in tonight i, I don't know what you thought when the host of a sports show uh reached out about doing a possible uh, possible segment but maybe that speaks to uh the popularity of of what you do and uh, over the last decade or so the the uh resurgence in the popularity of board games it has been really interesting to see how that's been growing over the past decade. What What do you think caused it, Tom? Is this people uh, trying to find an alternative to video games? Are these maybe people uh, like my age in their forties, maybe wanting to go back to some of the activities they did as a kid? I mean, you're you're in there every day. What do you think happened here? I think a lot of it has to do with the resurgence. I mean, with the growth of the internet. I mean, before this, if you wanted to find somebody to play maybe a more esoteric board game, you would have to do it by mail or search for people and maybe that wanted ads in the newspaper, I don't know. But now with the Internet, it's very easy to find other people. And with the globalization that the Internet brings in, we're finding great games from Germany and Japan and other things and spreading it across the globe and people can find each other. Right. And what about this 
I mean, to me, Tom, it seems there are a lot more games now that are A, cooperative, and B, that might be project-type games. You're going to sit down with your friends for two, three, four hours, or maybe even over several sessions to finish a game, as to, as opposed to something more like, okay, we are going to play a game of Trivial Pursuit, and it will take an hour to an hour and a half. Where, where do you think the interest in these more project-type games came from? Well, I think... I think it's just people left the idea of going on some sort of epic adventure, but I don't want to scare the listeners. Most games are actually around an hour or a little bit more than an hour. That is the vast majority of games that are out there still, even ones I enjoy. Okay. Uh, Tom Vassell joining us. He does the Dice Tower podcast, uh, and you can look that up on, on YouTube. I, I'm curious about you, Tom. Uh, I mean, I've, I've had video game reviewers on the show, uh, you know, obviously talk to athletes all the time. People have really cool jobs. Like, how did you become... This guy that is playing and, re- and reviewing uh, board games, that's, that sounds like a pretty good gig. Yeah, well, I mean, as with anything, you know, it's a lot of work behind the scenes that people don't see. But I did it as a hobby for a very long time. In fact, 10 years ago to on Monday is when I did my first video game review on YouTube. And at the time, I was just doing it for the fun of it. And, you know, as time went by, it took up more and more time. And I said, well... I'm going to have to try and see if I can make this a job or just stop doing it because I can't, you know, do a job to end my family. Uh, so I had to cut one thing, and family seemed like a bad choice in that mix. <laughs> so I went with my job. Oh, well, that, that's amazing. And you're in Florida? I am. I'm all the way to the very tip of Florida in Homestead, which is the last city you see on your way to the Keys. Oh, wow. Okay. Is is there, uh, I mean, Canada and the United States are big countries. Are, are there hotbeds, do you think, for board gamers, or is it is it pretty much all over? Yeah, the hottest, the hottest places are cities where people can more easily get together. So you'll notice that up in the northeast where it's cold and people are stuck inside, uh, you know, from Toronto has a lot of gaming, uh, Boston area has a lot of gaming, and in the very northeast, same reason, Seattle, and Portland have a lot of that heavy gaming. And, you know, where I live, there's some gaming, but there's a lot of outdoor culture, so there's a lot of people outside. Okay. Um, how many, maybe I don't, maybe you can't even answer this, how many board games do you think you will play in a year? Like, do you play and finish something daily or more than one game daily? Oh, sure. I, I probably go through around a 1,000 different games over the course of the year, um, which sounds like a lot. And a lot of people listening might think, is there even a 1,000 games? Oh, yes, there's about 5,000 now that are coming out a year. And so I'm just doing a, a, a portion of those. You know, but uh, I, I like the variety myself. There are 5,000 new board games a year. Well, a lot of that has to do with, again, the Internet and that you don't, the, the barrier to printing games has gone down. Anyone can make their own board game now at this point for a much lower cost. And crowdfunding sites like Kickstarter make it easier to raise the capital to do it. So there's a lot of people in the business. Okay, that's amazing. So like, are there examples of Kickstarter games that might have started with guys like you and me at the kitchen table saying, hey, let's design our own game, Like, and they've become really big? Oh, sure. Like a very popular games of uh, Scythe. Uh, our Viticulture from Stonemeyer Games, they just had a small idea and it became a big overnight success. And those, I mean, I can go through story after story. In fact, most of the major big publishers now uh, either are dabbling in Kickstarter or started from Kickstarter. Okay, crazy. Are there any, um, 
sports oriented games uh i mean whether i mean i know there's the stratomatics and the appas and, and the replays of the world um is there anything out there that you would kind of recommend to a sports fan though that's maybe like a management simulation or or you know anything that delves into that type of world for some reason though sports games don't sell very well uh, I'm not sure what that is. I think maybe because video games do such a good job at emulating sports. As you say, the, the best and most in-depth ones for baseball are the, the Stratomatic and those type of games. But there are some simple ones. There's actually an older game, Harry's Grand Slam Baseball, which was actually designed by a Holocaust survivor um, way back in the day, a very simple little baseball game. Bottom of the ninth is a little baseball game that simulates, well, the last, half of the ninth inning, you know, and you're just a pitcher against the batter trying to outguess each other. Uh, and so most best, you know, games, sports games, are really the racing games because racing really comes well down into a board game, Formula D, which simulates Formula Motor Racing. Um, so racing is usually the best one in that line. There's not a lot of managing team games, though. There's a few, but not, not very many. Okay. Uh, Tom, one more for you. So, uh, you know, say uh, me and my listeners uh, rolled down to Florida one night and uh, wanted to hang out with you. Uh, what game would you would you pull out for a nice uh, social experience? <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, it's going to be, well, if you're coming out to play with me, you're probably playing some game that neither of us has heard of before, and I'm testing out. But there's always going to be a different game of playing in a good time. I'll say right now, Dice Hospital, a game about... Uh, trying to get patients in and out of your hospital as quickly as possible. Obviously, it's a fantasy because that doesn't happen in real life, but um, it's it's fun to do it as a game. Sorry, Tom. Well, you cut out there. What was the word before hospital? Uh, dice hospital. Dice hospital. Okay, I got I got to look that up. Uh, I got a couple people texting in. Gloomhaven is the best game ever, but it's hard to get now. And uh, another well, texter. Sorry, uh, go ahead. Gloomhaven is a great game. In fact, it's certainly one of my favorite games. I just don't recommend it necessarily to the casual person. It's a game that's quite in-depth. All right, and another question about a, a, a hockey deck builder game called NHL Power Play. Does that ring a bell with you? Uh, yes, uh, I've, I've not played it myself, but uh, one of my staff has played it and liked it. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm more of a baseball fan myself. Okay, right on. Hey, Tom, uh, I, I know you're busy tonight, so thanks for fitting us in. Well, it sounds like you're busy all the time, but it sounds like you're loving what you do. Thanks for uh, shedding a light on the board game world on Inside Sports in Edmonton, man. All right, thank you very much. Does Tom Vassell check it in tonight? It is uh, 742. Uh, you know, like to do things a little different on the show sometimes. And uh, he does the Dice Tower podcast, so you can Google that. His name is Tom V A S. E-L, uh, so, he, you know, numerous, a couple of websites connected to him. Uh, Richard says, I think the uh, resurgence is due to people being screened out and just wanting to turn the screens off but not turn their brains off, wanting to do something stimulating that does not involve looking at a screen of some kind. And uh, you know what? I, I got to say, I'm impressed with you guys. Uh, I, did, I did not think I would get this many texts by doing a board game segment. I, I thought it was, <laughs> again, trying something different. I, I know it's something a lot, a lot of people are into these days. Jeff says uh, there's a game called NHL Big League Manager. Jeff, I'm going to have to look into that one. Chris recommended. Now, Jeff, is that a, 
Is that a, a deck-building type game, or is that maybe one that simulates managerial decisions? If, you, if you're still listening and want to text me back, I'd be curious to know. And uh, Chris said there's a deck-building game called NHL Power Play. So uh, there are some sports. I mean, there are the games. Uh, Stratomatic's a well-known one. There's another company called APBA, APBA. There's a really good company that I like called Replay, uh, replaybb.com, if you want to check it out, where they give you... They, they will sell you past seasons. So you buy the, the master game and the master rules, and then you buy the, the players for certain seasons. And then you can kind of manage your own team, and there's a lot of you know rolling and stat keeping if you're really into that kind of stuff. And I'm not too ashamed to say that I am. Uh, <laughs> but that's pretty fun. And uh, Jeff says that it does involve managerial decisions. Thank you for that, Jeff. I appreciate it. I, I, you know, Richard said the thing about people being screened out. And I, I do think there's something to do that. A lot of jobs involve being on or near a computer a lot of the day. Mine, mine certainly does when, when I'm at work. Um, and we all spend time on these little handheld computers we call smartphones a lot of time or, or the iPad. And we're not just using that for communication anymore, searching the Internet, listening to music, reading articles. And yes, gaming. So is the point where, though, you don't want your world to be this small little screen or a computer monitor that you're staring at all day. And then there's the social experience of playing a board game as well. So anyway, hey, hey, I'm glad you guys like that. I appreciate it. I'll tell you what. uh, You can text in over the final few minutes of the show. We'll talk some sports stuff as too. Uh, Your favorite board game or maybe, you know, are you one of these people that have got into it again recently? Something, a more complex game you like playing, a newer game you like playing. Let's share that with each other because people are texting in some comments to 630. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 36.30. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. It is 7.45. got to take a quick time out first. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 6.30 Chad. A couple of Canadians advancing to the third round at the U.S. Open. Raonic and Shapovalov, both winners. Pospisil currently on the court against the number one seed, Rafael Nadal. First set, and Nadal has uh, jumped out to a three-love lead there. Uh, you can text 630-630, phone number 780-496-0063. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. Uh, Chris says uh, to uh, board game players, lots of cafes around Edmonton will let you try out some games and have some coffee. That's usually how I use my long weekends. Thanks for that, Chris. Uh, absolutely. I've gone to a uh, board game. There's one right around the corner here. Yep. Yeah. Gone yep. there a couple times. Just down the road here, yep. Uh, John says, Reed, I... Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is great from John. Well, now, I, maybe I shouldn't have used his name. Well, there's a lot of Johns out there. He goes, Reed, I cheat or at least try to cheat at every board game I play. I'm guilt-free. I think cheating is an essential part of board games. Plus, I hate losing. <laughs> that is... Uh, an admission from John tonight. There's a lot of solo play games out now too, John. Oh, okay. That might even be easier to cheat. Like games where you're just kind of playing against the game system itself, right? 
So that'd be really easy to ch ch try out some solo play games, John. Those are really, oh, I don't like that card. I'll just draw another one. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Uh, Jeff says, card games are just as good. I'm 37 years old. It reminds me of the folks having card parties. Oh, lots of card games out there. What do you got? Uh, Go Fish? Mm. Crazy oh, you're talking eights? like actual playing no, cards. No, he's talking cards. Oh, okay. Like decks of cards. Well, there are card games. Euchre? That are... That's a good one. Oh, yeah. Whist? Cribbage? There, I've named all the ones I know. And well, all... well, strip poker, but I wasn't going to say that. Well, yeah, I was going to say all your casino <laughs> games, too. Blackjack. Well, well, absolutely, all the yeah. casino games, for sure. Uh, those are some texts to 63630. Thanks, guys. Uh, that's pretty fun. Uh, this is fun as well, and this is totally non-sports related, but I like this guy, and I thought it was funny. I, th I think it actually happened a couple of days ago. I just saw the video today, so I, I uh, stole the audio here. Did you see Weird Al Yankovic got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? And it's about time. And he gave a speech. Please don't pickaxe my star, okay, guys? I mean, I know it's all the rage these days, but that's not cool. Just, you know, that's, that's rude. Just please don't do that. Unless, unless at some point in the future, I do something unfathomably monstrous and evil, in which case, sure, fine, okay, go ahead, I, yeah, it makes sense. But, but, but anything short of that, please limit yourself to spitting and urinating, okay? I, have some class, people. <laughs> Oh, that's classic Weird Al. Was there not a phase in everybody's life where they thought Weird Al was awesome? Phase? I mean, I still, I still think he's awesome, but <laughs> I, 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 I don't seek out his music as much as I, as I might have as a younger individual. Oh, he's essential on my iPod. You're going to have to close out the show with some Weird Al now. Oh, I got There's, some lined this, up. You already got some lined up. I'm on that's, it. That's a good man, Kellett. Uh, <laughs> I love Weird Al. He had the uh, laser eye surgery, eh? Oh, he, he That's did. That's why he stopped wearing the glasses. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I saw him live in concert here at the Jube, I want to say, two or three years ago. Was it I, awesome I saw show? him at the Windspear, I don't know, maybe almost a decade ago. Hmm. And he, he, he did costume changes. Because didn't he come recently, but he did all his own original songs? He didn't do any of the spoofs? Uh, yeah. Yeah, but, but when I saw him, he would change costumes. So they'd play one of his funny little MTV segments, you know, where he would do the fake interview with somebody. They mm -hmm. would they would cut him into the interview, so the answers sounded really stupid. Great bit. And then he would go change, and then come out, you know, how he was dressed in the video for that song. So for Fat, the spoof of Michael Jackson's Bad, mm -hmm. he put on the huge, you know rubbery fat suit and he did what was the one he what was the nirvana one smells oh, like smells, smells like, nirvana. like nirvana yeah, yeah. so he came out with the the cobain long hair and the and the sweater and all that kind of stuff see my favorite was always dare to be stupid because he came out dressed like the guys in devo and the band oh, was dressed right. up like devo and everything it, it was awesome it's a well you know what and that's and that's what i love about it, well it's what i love about the world kellen kennedy but okay but no, I mean, getting to getting to host a show like this too. I mean, we talk a lot of sports. We talk primarily Oilers and Eskimos, obviously, and and Edmonton and area sports. But sometimes we, will, you know, let's just have a board game guy on. Mm -hmm. We've had Brian Mazik on from Chicago a couple times. He's a professional video game reviewer. Dream job. Uh, you know, so sometimes it's just cool. How did and with Weird Al? So think about him. You know, and unfortunately, his parents have have passed, but. 
you know, at some point he's sitting down with his loved ones and he's like, okay, so um, I've uh, decided it's going to be a music career mm-hmm. and uh, I'm going to write some of my own music, but I'm really going to uh, try to make it big uh, mocking other artists. <laughs> like, that's the sell, you know? And that's one of those things. Probably got a lot of raised eyebrows and a lot of like, okay, Al, well, you know, we'll support you thinking like, yeah, this will last six months and then he's going to get his business degree at Notre Dame or whatever. But no, that, that weird Al Yank, that's him. Yeah, the behind, Playing the accordion? Yeah, the behind the music documentary, if you get a chance to see it, it's out there uh, that they did on Weird Al is amazing. It's a, a few years old by now, but I think they've updated it recently, but it's really good. Would would you would you agree uh and and people can text 630 to 630 for this as well. Mm. Agree or disagree? Weird Al is actually a pretty good rapper. Yeah. What was it all about the all about the Pentiums? Yes. Where that came out weren't weren't people Amish saying Paradise? like he can a- he can actually rap. Yeah, Amish Paradise is as good as, you know, Coolio's original song, right? So White and Nerdy? Wasn't that another one yep. where he raps? There we go. Handy. Which was oh, you know, which one's that based on? That was the one based off of uh, Iggy Azalea's big hit from a few years ago. Um, so you've lost fancy. That's what oh, it was. fancy. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, hey, as Weird Al said, one of those Y words. <laughs> but anything short of that, please limit yourself to spitting and urinating. Okay, I have some class, people. There's the there's there's the best advice we can give you today, everybody. Limit yourself to spitting and urinating. Oh my goodness! All right, well, this has been fun tonight. We're uh, we're winding her down. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. I am going to flip back the channel here. Actually, getting my scores off the good old-fashioned television. I don't need the internet to update mm. me second by second. Bottom of the eighth, Baltimore leading the Blue Jays seven-five. Uh, Baltimore had a grand slam earlier in the game. Uh, I got a texture. Oh, I missed Bridge as a card game. Bridge. That's a good one. That's a good one. Is that the one where you bid hearts and all that? Or is that Hearts? No, that's Hearts. Which, that's one's, hearts. which one's Bridge? Uh, well, I missed Hearts, too. So there that's you go. the one with the board, isn't it? No, that's Crib. Oh, that's Crib. Crib's the okay. one with the board. I'm pretty mm. sure. It's been a while. I, I have played Crib in the past. Mm. But I I can't remember. I've shown a lot of ignorance here with traditional <laughs> card games. Never played a lot. I was yeah. more likely to play a board game, both as a kid now and now as an adult. Oh, what was your favorite board game growing up? <sighs> Probably Monopoly. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Probably Monopoly. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. Monopoly. Well, I have two cousins who uh, one one's three years older than me, one's five years older than me. So obviously we've, you know, we've shared a lot. We, we They live in Ontario, but whenever I see them, still to this day, we always have an epic Monopoly game. Nice. Whenever we're together. And Those the are the rule best is, ones. The rule is you can't shut it down early. You go until one guy has absolutely everything. Even if it's inevitable that he's going to win, you keep rolling and playing right till the end. Oh, here we go. Is this Eat It? This is Eat It. Beauty. Uh, old Maid, Canasta, Crazy. I think I said Crazy Eights, didn't I? But yes, there we go. Maybe maybe next summer we'll do a whole, whole show on card games. Interesting. I don't know who would get in for a guest. Probably some of the people that texted in. Hey, thanks for listening tonight. Besides Tom Vassell from the Dice Tower podcast, you heard from Stamps punter Rob Maver, U of A football coach Chris Morris, and defenseman Brandon Davidson, who has a PTO with the Chicago Blackhawks. More on the Labor Day Classic tomorrow. The studio producer is Kellen Kennedy. The producer is Dave Campbell. You guys are great. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening. Don't want to argue. I don't want to debate. Don't want to hear about
what kind of food you hate You won't get no dessert till you clean off your plate So eat it Don't you tell me you're full 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad